If there's a quiet neighborhood, street corner, or cafe, there's a good chance everyone's doing their job and staying indoors. But, like anyone who's able to work from home, so too are we. I'm David Cadet, and together with Mark Bobin, we're on Doing the Way podcast today. Entrepreneurship is messy, so is our podcast. Today, mom and dad team Simon and Maria Nash join us to talk about their kids' play company, Sprog and Sprocket, which promises happiness delivered. This is Background Noise. Entrepreneurs Simon and Maria ran a catering company in the UK before moving to Canada in 2015. Once here, they got a lay of the land and discovered there was a missing in the market. Kids' birthday parties and special occasions were all being celebrated out of the home. Their idea was to bring the fun of kids' play structures into their homes, hence happiness delivered. Like so many other businesses in the spring of 2020, Sprague and Sprocket is in a holding pattern which on the bright side allowed us to have a good chat with them. Before we get into that interview with Simon and Maria, undoing partner Mark Bonvin and I got together from my basement to his to discuss some of the important takeaways from Sprock and Sprocket's founders. So for the second week in a row, Mark, we are sequestered in our homes and it would appear this is going to be the norm for the foreseeable future. How are you doing? Um doing pretty good uh, in my dark, quiet basement with the red record sign on so that I don't get disturbed. So we'll see how all that goes. And sure, we'll get some really authentic background noise if uh, my kids come barreling in looking for something, but uh, (laughs) doing pretty good. Um, You know, I think the interesting thing about just even recording this is that whatever we say now could sound so dated in a couple of days, could sound dated in a week, whatever it might be. And, you know, that's the stage we're in. Things are so much constantly changing and you're having to constantly shift your mindset. You have to shift your perspective. You have to change your opinion, your view to deal with the constantly changing reality. And, you know, that's, I think, what's striking about the podcast for this week is, you know, you guys are having a conversation and talking about COVID and, Things are so fluid then, they're so fluid now, and it's, it's really compelling stuff. So why don't you sort of lay out who you were talking to and what was it about and how it may be connected to why we're sitting in our collective basements right now. Simon and Maria Nash are the husband and wife team who started and run um, a little mobile kids play service called Sprog and Sprocket. And they first came on our radar through Instagram. They were one of our first 500 followers. And as a result of that, we're eligible for our first. (laughs) Now that's my student pinging me. You wanted background noise. You got got background noise. Um, So they were part of our first 500 followers. And as a result, uh, we're eligible to play that little contest we had at the end of the year, which was five straight days of us giving some tips and some challenges to entrepreneurs to exercise or execute that day or that week. And they not only played along each day, but they, they actually put some thought into it. Their responses were very analytical and thought provoking. And you could tell that they were going to go and execute, you know, in hindsight, I'm, 
I'm glad that, that they were the lucky ones that came out of that because they were just such, first of all, a lovely couple to have met, down-to-earth people, but real entrepreneurial thinkers as well. So after having won our little contest, which, which included five-ish hours of working with us and our consulting service, we met with them, you and I met with them, and we're still working with them now. Can't seem to detach ourselves from them, even through what we're all going through now. And so had this interview with them on Friday the 20th, and I'm making a point of dating that for reasons that you mentioned earlier, that you know, by Friday the 27th, everything could have changed all over again. So that's the background, and that's their business, and that's uh, how we came together to talk. We thought they would be a good fit for the podcast, which is all about entrepreneurs and all about entrepreneurs sifting through all kinds of distractions and noises to come up with a solution to a problem. You know, the thing that strikes me about what you were saying is that they had very thoughtful responses to the Instagram competition. They were really thinking about things when we were, we were meeting with them. They were really good at reflecting in that. And I think that, you know, despite all that's going on around us, we continue to see competencies where we go. And it's pretty clear to me in this one that Critical thinking is a, is a really key uh, skill that they've been able to develop. And it's the way that they critically think and reflect on the environment around them. I think that's really what really stuck with me. Why don't you speak a little bit about how much they were able to sort of critically think about what was available in the marketplace when they came to Canada with, you know, an uncertain idea of sort of what they were going to want to do? Well, you know, before I do that, let me throw things back at you because this is a this is one of our really core competencies. And like so many other things, including the term competencies, I'm not sure that anybody has the same idea of what critical thinking is. So in your words, how would you describe it in 15 seconds or less? I think it's I think critical thinking is understanding the process of thinking revolves around not just what you and your brain are coming up with but examining the thinking of others and where they might be coming from or the thinking of a company or a marketplace. And so when you think of Sprague and Sprocket, it came to be because they kind of saw that there was a huge hole in the market. There was lots of things going on for kids, but a lot of the stuff that was going on was related to, you know, whether it be a, you know, like a bouncy castle or other things, they, they were able to sort of look at, well, what are people thinking? Why are they doing it this way? Well, what are we thinking of? Well, you know, critical thinking is not just what I think about, but how can I assess and analyze what other people are thinking about? Why did they do what they're doing? Why are companies doing it this way? And then insert, here's what I might want to do based on that. Yeah. And it's a skill that, you know, we, we wrote into our MindTap for Marketing textbook or our untextbook um, to get students to, to, to start thinking that way. So many times... These days, you and I have noticed not only with our students, but with clients and even with people that we know and respect, I think it has to do a lot with instant gratification in the world that we live in, that we want instant answers. And so we go with the bias and we think that we shut out the bias, but we can't unless we critically think, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that shutting out the noises and shutting out that background noise, and you mentioned that already about just the entrepreneurial thinking model that entrepreneurial thinking is also like that. So there's entrepreneurial thinking tied to critical thinking. There's a lot of overlap there, but it's about taking and assessing what's going on around you, being able to sort of 
piece something together based on everything that you have around you. I mean, I think that's what they did and they've created a very good niche and they, you know, there's copycats now because of them and there's all sorts of other companies trying to be like them, but they have really created this niche for themselves. To go to your question about what critical thinking they did. I mean, they, they ran a catering company in, in the UK. So they come here and rather than just opening up another catering company or a sandwich shop, um, they assessed the landscape. They got to know other people like them, um, parents with young kids, and they thought, well, here's a collection of different problems. What do we have the strengths to put together to solve those problems? And polling other parents, how would you like it if, if you could have a squeaky clean, sanitized PlayStation brought to your home for your kid's birthday or brought to your home just to keep kids distracted. So it was that kind of open-ended objective thinking of what the environment has to offer that I think brought them to their idea. And thus became Sprocket. Okay, well, let's have a listen. Let's let's begin where, where you began and how you began and what problem you were solving with Sprocket and Sprocket. Um, yeah, so um, Sprog and Sprocket is a, we create play spaces at parties and events or, or any sort of occasion where, um, where you want to keep kids entertained and so that the adults can do what, also what the adults want to do. So, yeah, It's not just birthday parties and weddings. There's a big market in the corporate world. Um, and, yeah, and we, we had some really exciting partnerships um, with, lined up with Audi and the Hyatt. Um, and a few other organizations in the in the next coming weeks that have all been canceled and off the books. But yeah, so we create play spaces at places where there's kids that need to be entertained. We we moved here in the end of 2015 and we had one one young child at the time. And um, we were a bit familiar with soft play and play spaces from both of our times uh, living in Australia and England. And so we knew that it was a product that wasn't really over here and and that in general the children's entertainment industry also was really dated it needed it felt like it needed revitalizing you know even things like websites when you went on them felt very very dated and so yeah so we just we we were the we were our target market um and we had been self-employed in england we were in catering and we wanted to get away from catering because it wasn't super family friendly you know we used to take our son into the shop at two in the morning and prepare you know big corporate breakfasts but so we wanted to get away from that and we had a few um few business ideas and and this is the one that we kind of rolled with and you know it kind of checked all the boxes it also gives us a chance to get out into our community and um we host a charity play date um annually to raise money for the children's cottage so it allowed us to kind of do all the things that we wanted to do through entrepreneurship yeah was it from that formulation of an idea to your first paid gig oh at least at least a year yeah at least a year maybe a little bit longer but yeah somewhere kind of somewhere between 12 and 14 months. And it, it so happened that, you know, we put the wheels in motion to, to get this thing started. And, you know, and by the time equipment orders and um, everything went through when we started to receive our equipment and find warehouse space and all that, uh, the business, our, our, the business got ready to take paid bookings right at the same time we were literally due to have our second baby. So, <laughs> um, we, we actually did our first 
set up. It wasn't um, a paid one. It was just almost like a trial because we'd never put this equipment out anywhere. In fact, we un uh, unpackaged half the equipment on site for uh, our son's preschool. So that was on the 25th of September, 2017. And we, we set up um, our indoor playground for the very first time. And that was... <laughs> that was interesting and and some of the soft play and I was nine days overdue with Annie at that time so that is why I can remember the date oh so clearly <laughs> because by the time you know I was yeah I was like I think I was almost as wide as I was tall by the time you know we were we were doing this and I'm trying to move all this heavy equipment and you know, perhaps that's maybe why I was like, okay, yeah, I'm getting out of here. So Bring me into the big wide world. This is one of the, the very first job that Maria's talking about, um, we set up the playground in um, the Irish Cultural Centre in Bowness. And Maria had noticed that the chairs, there was hundreds and hundreds of chairs stacked against the wall, but they hadn't been stacked from the last uh, event that was there in the right way. So they were, you know how sometimes you'll go to a, a venue and the chairs are just stacked in like uh, an unorganised way. They just don't look like they're going to well, be that safe. Two types of chairs and they've been mixed and matched yeah. and so the stacks of chairs were wobbling so i had to there was about 600 adventures that i had to unstack and restack and move to the under, other side of the gymnasium before we could even set up <laughs> yeah it was it was not the kind of work that you think you're going to be doing when you're nine days overdue pregnant that is for sure how many days after that did you come the like, next the next the next, she came day. The next. <laughs> And then, so we had to take a little hiatus from taking paid bookings at that point because we had a brand new baby. And then, um, so I think Annie was about six weeks when we did our first paid booking. So yeah, and you know, she was in the bucket and she just went with us everywhere. We just took her to, for like the first eight months, she came on every job with us and just, you know, her little bucket seat and, you know, I'd sit and feed her before we'd go from one job to the next. And yeah, so it was, it all kind of culminated all at the same time and, and got a little bit crazy there for a bit. Uh, mm. <laughs> now what, let's, let's give some reference here. What year was that and what time of year? So that was 2017. <laughs> so we moved here in November of 2015 and then we started kind of hashing around this idea I would say it was kind of summertime of 2016 that the idea of Sprague and Sprocket kind of came into the long list of business plans. What were you um, living off of at the time? You're, you're entrepreneurs, you've moved from the UK, you're here in Canada. Uh, were you living off savings? Were you? Yeah, so a bit of everything. Off? So we had, we sold our catering business in England. So we had kind of that little nest egg. We didn't plan on living off of it quite as long as we did but it uh so we had that and then a bit of savings and some credit card debt and um i did picked up a little bit of here and there admin and reception you know like uh, remote admin work that kind of thing I and did a couple of jobs from time to you know time. simon would go and pick up a little bit of manual labor you know here and there is just kind of gig work we just pieced it together and and like it wasn't pretty it wasn't <laughs> there was no great big plan or you know I'm it would it would have been an embarrassing situation to have anyone come in and look at our finances that's for sure because we were just we were just doing whatever we needed to do to make it work despite the rantings of people like Vaynerchuk the myth that the entrepreneur world is just glittering and golden and follow an opportunity and your opportunity will suck you into this path of success financially, personally, and everything else. 
I don't think we can hear your message often enough, the, the bitter reality of it all. And now, so that was three years ago. How many, how many jobs, ballpark, have you, have you completed in that span? Good question. You know, it's, it's funny, it's, it's hard to kind of conceptualize that because the, the first six months were pretty slow. We didn't, like, we knew that it would be hard to get our product, introduce our product to the market. It was brand new. No one was doing what we were doing. Not, not kind of anywhere in Western Canada. People didn't know even to look for us because there, there just wasn't anything. We introduced a brand new product to the market. And so the first six months were slow. And then, but whereas like the last quarter of last year was ex exceptionally busy, you know, it was ironically, it was kind of this end of January this year, we finally were saying to each other, you know, it finally feels, it finally feels like we're not pushing a boulder up a hill here. Like, you know, people know about us, people are recommending us, you know, people trust us. It, we'd, we'd made, we'd, people knew to look for us. Somewhere between 50 and 100 or more than 100? Oh, oh no. more than that. Probably more kind of like 500, 550. Yeah. 550 in three years. We've, we've evolved in the way that like mm -hmm. we, we now do pickup rentals as well as the delivery service. And so um, we've been very, um, from day one, good at just getting boots on the ground and going and networking amongst our target audience and uh, introducing ourselves to businesses and the communities and um, every party that's held there's generally you know 10 other eyes on our product and so it's it's kind of like we've been like the is that the COVID effect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the exponential growth where you know it goes slow at first but then you know, in that, that, that last kind of quarter of last year, it really started to take off. And we were finally like, phew, this might actually work. Because up till then, you know, it was slow. It was hard to let people know that we were an option. We still had so many people going, oh, wow, I'm so glad. I, I didn't know anything like this existed. And that has been our hugest challenge. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we kind of had that, that big um, increase in awareness and, mm -hmm. and bookings and growth. And, and we were... You know, the beginning of this year, we were going to be seeing an increase in our inventory and perhaps taking on like an actual warehouse staff member. And so that is mm -hmm. um, on hold. Oh, wait, right uh, when we started out, our, our, and our age range still is, we can um, provide parties for kids up to age nine years old. But the majority, the vast majority, over 75% of the business is from under three one to three year olds because yeah. yeah. um, that if you just try and find party solutions for one to three year olds there's not much there's not much but lots of people really want to celebrate their especially children's first birthday. birthday especially in lots of cultures as well um we do so many events for you know filipino families and central and south american families where yeah. celebration is such a big around, part of the culture yeah, and especially around that first birthday i think let's just um draw a visual here um, for those that still don't quite can't visualize exactly what it is. We, I think we've got that it's um, that it's indoor play, that it's play structures, that it's soft and cushiony. Are we are we talking about inflatables? Are we talking about spongy? Are we talking about ball pits? Ball pits, yeah. exactly. Yeah, ball pits and toddler soft play obstacles. Okay, but that doesn't. So soft play essentially is um, we have two types we have some larger stuff that essentially has a wooden frame and then it's foam wrapped and then um is wrapped uh in like a pvc vinyl and then we have the smaller what simon was referring to as toddler soft play and that is big foam structures that again are um 
covered in, in wipeable vinyl, essentially the same type of materials that people are familiar with um, at indoor play centers. Then we also have a playground structure that is a metal frame structure, and that really is just like the playground that you uh, go to at an indoor play center, but it's small and it's mobile and it fits in a double garage. But it is the, the same type of experience, the same type of play experience. And then we also do um, ball pools. And they are, um, again, our ball pools are, are a wooden frame wrapped in foam padding and then wrapped um, in uh, a PVC vinyl. Yeah, so it's, it's all, we put down, we have commercial, we have one inch foam, um, EVA foam commercial um, matting that we put down under everything, regardless of where we're setting up. So even on a carpeted area in someone's house, we'll put these down. So it creates this really, really safe place for children to, their natural kind of curiosities and free play and just that they kids just they don't want to be mithered with too much they don't want you to make their play complicated they just want some basic things and then their their imaginations and their drive to play and explore and climb and crawl um do the rest for them and so it just creates an environment that fosters that natural inclination to climb explore and play and besides Sprawl. If a parent wanted something like this, they would have to go somewhere. You know, I'm thinking of with my kids when they were that age. Market Mall was a destination, not to shop, but to send them to the middle of the mall. Was, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and to that end, every mall started to install something like that. So the differentiation with you is that you bring that experience into a private, intimate, personal setting for hire. And you mentioned earlier on that at the time there was no one doing it, but Maria, I'm 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 wondering if there's many people doing it even now besides you. A little bit. Um, it's So across North America, even a couple of years ago, there wasn't a lot. There was certainly none. Um, there was, I think there was maybe one very, very small company in out of Toronto, um, a lovely a lovely lady that's been running a, kind of a small scale idea of this, um, I think since 2015. Literally, she was the only example I could find in, in Canada. Um, we, uh, and still now, um, we're getting, we regularly get calls from Edmonton and Red Deer and Lethbridge and Vancouver about, oh, well, well, can you do something for us? And we're like, well, we're not there yet. We hope to be one day. But um, so I don't think there's an option still in a lot of those cities. There has since been um, one other smaller company um, pop up in Calgary. So there, there is a, a little bit, uh, of kind of contagion effect there where people are like oh this is good and, and i would like to be part of this industry too and so they're they're giving it a go as well right. but in it's not it, it definitely has taken off a lot more in the u.s um particularly in the warmer climates i've noticed as well where people can you know they, they can utilize that that year-round outdoors time um there's but it hasn't we were really worried that within six months of us popping up that we would you know have have kind of competition popping up everywhere but it hasn't seemed to lend itself that way there's lots of inflatable companies but i think sometimes when people look at the business and realize actually how much extra effort goes into our business versus say blowing up an inflatable you know the, the inflatable companies are similar price wise to a lot of our rentals but they, they'll send a crew of two in and they'll be set up in 
15, 20 minutes and, you know, we're there for 45. So, you know, from a labor perspective, it's a lot more labor intense. It also requires, it's, it's harder, it requires physical space. You know, we have quite a large warehouse because it's not just the storage that we have to think about, it's the space requirements that we need to clean everything properly. So that's one promise that we've always had as a business to our customers is that hygiene and cleanliness uh, is of you know uh, a huge one of our top priorities and so the physical space demands you know to have is are, are big and so you know there's a lot of a lot of obstacles that can potentially be in the in the way for people that um, are considering a, a business like ours and and so um, we are still kind of one of the uh, one of the only ones in all of western canada that's doing this and for all those reasons, you probably define some of the barriers, which for the time mm-hmm. is, a, is a good thing for you. We'll talk about how you will manage with competition um, as they come along. You said that there's at least one in the market of Calgary already. Simon, you said, I think something to the effect of we dream hygiene or hygiene is our dream or something like we that. We dream of hygiene. <laughs> we dream of hygiene. You know, if you were a cleaning company, that would be a perfect tagline. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, goes to, it goes to your values, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's it's one of the things that we wanted to just lay out there straight away because, like I say, we are our target audience, and so we, we know. know that the concerns that we have um, are going to be the same concerns by other parents. Um, and uh, we dream of hygiene. On our website, simply reads: uh, Did you know? And this is true. Did you know that there is no regulatory standard on the frequency and methods of cleaning indoor playgrounds, including ball pools? In fact, recommendations for ball pool sanitization can be as infrequent as three to six months. Not us. Rest assured that after each rental, we inspect and clean every piece of equipment, including the washing and sanitization of every last ball in our ball pools. Um, and like, we couldn't do that without our, 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 warehouse. our warehouse, you know, and we've got a, a system in place that we can wash 10,000 balls in, in like 45 minutes. And to be clear for the record, that content from your website was written years ago this isn't just a response to this pandemic no no that was that's been on our website since since their website launched since 2017 that's always been a really uh critical part of our business i'm i'm a little bit um i like i'm a bit of a germaphobe but i'm also a little bit just adverse to my kids getting sick because of how like inconvenient it is (laughs) so (laughs) um i've I've always kind of been hesitant with a lot of the big indoor play centers because it seems like we go and then we come back and two days later we're all sick and you know that's grand and um, so with with me it was you know let's let's figure out a way to keep this clean if people are having this exclusive experience in their home they they want some reassurances and you know like the, the cleanliness and the hygiene it's been an important part of our business always. And it's also been a little bit of a barrier to our expansion. You know, when we look at um, expanding up to Edmonton, for example, if we could just go and get a um, rental unit somewhere, you know, and, and just a, we all we needed was a place to store the stuff and then it went in and out and in and out of the storage between rentals, um, then that would be, it would be a lot easier to, to branch out into new markets but because we need this warehouse space to facilitate 
the standard of cleaning that we do on our equipment, it means that we need to expand slower because there is more more costs and risks associated mm -hmm. with expansion. Yeah, it's only like recently we've actually you know grown into our space in terms of being able to you know like comfortably pay for it and yeah. you know and not have that that worry you know so that that extra square footage. So glad that you know we have this opportunity to talk about the the values the the foundational values that you had to set up this conversation is is rampant now in light of things but it's always been a core value of sprawl what else you mentioned curiosity and play and things like that earlier what other foundational values could you attach to your your purpose the way that our place spaces are are built they they've let us really bring together it gives us a really good opportunity to 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 bring community together um and so so when which has always been an important part of kind of how how we do business and and um in england we had a catering company in and sandwich shop and we would always so we used to do um weekly food donations down to the, the adolescent ymca there that's that did a lot of homeless youth programs and um, worked with with vulnerable youth, and so that was kind of our, our way of working with the community in there. And so we knew when we did a business here, we wanted to have a business that allowed us to involve ourselves and build community in in that way again. And so the the play spaces are are great in the way that they we can kind of pop them up anywhere, and then people come to us, and that gives them a chance to socialize and get to know each other and we create these these gathering places for for community and conversation and, and comfort um our scenic acres play group that we've we've hosted um for kind of the last year and a half it's always quite heartwarming for us that that we see people get to just it's it's their uh, moment in their day they the the kids are playing and and they're building kind of those social skills and cooperative skills and there's lots of opportunities for cooperative play uh, with our play equipment um, and it gives the mums just fine like you know and and actually in the last six months we've had some dads as well which is awesome you know it definitely so it means the words getting out there but it, it gives the parents a chance to have that breathing moment and to have that adult conversation and realize that kind of we're all in this together and parenthood is you know really hard for everyone we're all facing the same our, our challenges are more the same than they are different that sense of community is going to be built on once um, we've gotten into the clear and businesses back up and running and we're able to get um, back in touch with people physically then we're going to connect um, um, we're going to connect the children with the elderly in, in a certain way which we've got some plans for um, to roll yeah, out. It was a bit unfortunate timing wasn't it we were yeah. talking about how we could how we could develop um, a little bit of a um, a play experience and in kind of the the seniors homes and and give this seniors i i had a elderly family friend a couple of years ago that was in a seniors residence and we used to me and lewis used to go and visit him and the the seniors would love lewis i mean they, they were he was like a magnet you know even we were there to you know, we chat with jim but we'd end up with like 10 of them around, all wanting to chat with Lewis or just watch him play or, you know, that, that little bit of vitality that youth brings into these places. We were 
we were looking at being able to yeah bring the play spaces in, in and and kind of merge those two groups you know i think there's some social research around the idea of, of merging the the young children with, with the seniors and yeah so that you know it was <laughs> it was again you know i mean we could no one could have anticipated what we were about to come into with with this pandemic so the the timing was about a bit ill-conceived i suppose in in hindsight in retrospect but in terms of, of kind of social gatherings or I guess building community, Frogs also allowed us to kind of give back as well. So we host, even when we were six months old, we were literally like taking like next to no money out of the business. Like we were still putting bills on credit cards. It was, we kind of took the opportunity the, or the, uh, the point of view where like now's as good a time as ever. And so in uh, July of 2018, we hosted our first big Calgary play date. And so that um, we bring children's entertainers all together and then create a little mini market and this whole day that raises money for the Children's Cottage Society um, and the Happy Birthday Project. Uh, and then, yeah, so that we, we did that again um, last September, learned some things. It, it didn't, it, you know, there, it was it was it was a great day and a lot of fun. Um, definitely learned some things for, for hope, you know, and whether there'll be one this year now or not, it's hard to say. But, you know, Sprague's given us all those ways to, you know, not just be self-employed, but reach out and be a stronger part of our community. Entrepreneurs have this kind of unique place that we can we can be pillars of the community if you choose to position yourself as that and and use yourself as a, you know a, a way to make make your cities and your communities and, and and the world a little bit of a better place even if it's just like a tiny little bit i remember meeting with you guys and we should also say that simon and maria were participants in a contest that i'm doing held uh, before Christmas, as we reached our milestone of 500 Instagram followers, and I'm, I'll be forever thankful to you guys for a participating, so that I knew that actually someone was listening, <laughs> and b for being so thoughtful with your responses to, you know, the challenges that we laid out on a daily basis, and then c for allowing us to kind of come into your world and analyze what you were up to, and you know, hopefully, potentially provided some some guidance there, but. Um, that's what I wanted to say because I'm, I'm talking about some background information that I know of here. And when we did have those initial meetings, you were talking about almost a rebellion against technology and screens and that these kinds of social things were actually working in your favor. The drive to kind of move back to, to free play for kids and to let people not to necessarily direct their play. I'm, I'm, half Croatian I and I still have quite a, a bit of family over in Croatia and so I guess it would have maybe been in my mid-20s I was I was back over there visiting uh, my cousins and I speak like no Croatian like I can order beer at the bar and that's <laughs> That is basically it. Like only the essentials, a hundred percent. Only you know, um, yeah. I can say good and beer. So you know, and use them in a variety of contexts. So it works. But my um, my cousins, even though they 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 speak very good English, every once in a while, you know, I mean, they they're again, it's their second language. But I remember one time we were talking about something, and they said something about instead of just going out to play, it was going out to make play. And it kind of, you know, because our, our words and our language are kind of the entrance to how we view and understand and interpret the world around us. To me, it really was the striking difference between how we just refer to 
going and sending a kid to play and versus sending a kid to go make play. It imposed on me this idea of quite often these days we give children toys that create the play for them. They are there to entertain the child. So things that make noise and have batteries and speak for the, them, then all they have to do is press a button. And, you know, versus really stripping that all down and getting kids to make their own play. Giving them a few objects, some loose parts. Loose part play is exploding in, in earlier education and, and world at the moment because, it again, it helps with that whole idea of the kids make their play. They are the creators of their play experience. And that is largely what our equipment does as well. It, it gives them some some obstacles or some big building blocks or just a little bit to for them to create with. And then they go out and they are the creators. They are the makers of their own play. They are not the recipients of play that's being imposed or entertainment that's being imposed on them which is so common in, in the modern digital age with iPads and screens, et cetera. So I think the kind of global shift in that, you know, being a little bit aware of and sensitive to screen times and things, yeah, it does help us because we, we do kind of strip that back. We are, we're just there to, to be facilitators of, of children's play. I love that. You know, the way you broke that down and or the way just almost by accident the verb make came into the equation. It's, it's brilliant that you could transfer that over into something tangible as you have. So kudos to you on that. I am confident that this too shall pass and confident and hopeful that you two will rise again. And I know that we, you were supposed to be running a, a party as we speak now, right? You had a booking in Bev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, we had a, a big booking out in Banff this weekend. Um, At the Rimrock Hotel. And, yeah. Oh, we were so excited when we got it. We even, we, we were on um, a little family getaway to Fairmont when the inquiry first came through. So we even stopped in Banff on the way home and went and viewed the Rimrock and looked at access points. And, you know, like this, it, mm -hmm. it was, it was a kind of our first, you know, it was, it was for a, a big conference and gala. Like it was a big, it was exciting for us. And the, you know, when you come from, when, when you yeah. start something from nothing, when you start to get these big jobs, it's exciting. Yeah. We, we, we worked at the Fairmont Palace of downtown <laughs> twice now, two years in a run and they booked us for their own um, event. And it was just so like, special. They picked me. Being at an iconic downtown Calgary yeah. location like that. And the Rimrock had, gave us the exact same feeling of um, yeah. like proud, it's, yeah, of, of, of pride. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's like when you, you know, in, in school years and you get picked first to be on the team, you're just like, oh, you know. Like we it's were, a validation, we <laughs> right? Yeah. That we've done work. Yeah, yeah. So we, we were supposed to be there. Yeah. But. Right. Next year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, next year. Yeah. Well, there will, be, there will be more, many more parties and many more events. And you guys were at the brink of um, growth in, in this next little bit here. You know, I think in, in saying that I'm sorry for your fate, it would be extended across anyone listening to this podcast that's in yeah. business. It's just been a really, really terrible thing to have to go through. There's um, there's living and then there's um, there's cost of living and there's there's life and then there's livelihoods. And it's all sort of intersecting mm -hmm. at this moment in time. But mm -hmm. 
where, you know, again, let's be confident we're, we're going to get out of this. Where would you like to be in five years? Um, Vancouver. And like for Edmonton, sure across Western Canada. Western Canada. But, um, I thought you meant you wanted to be living in Vancouver, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that I say that out loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, Simon's just sick of all the snow shoveling. He asked, he literally asked me the other day, he's like, can you Google how many hours the average like Calgarian will spend in their life shoveling snow? <laughs> I don't think you want to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like no one's no one's willing to keep the running tally. We're all just in denial. But no, definitely, definitely throughout Western Canada. Um, but but perhaps beyond. You know, I would. But but beyond that quantifiable growth, uh, growth yeah, we all anticipate. How would you like people to think of you? Mm. What what do you want people to assimilate the words sprog and sprocket to in five years? I always keep our happiness delivered tagline in my mind all the time because like and it's you something guys, that the the I feel that no matter if I'm just going to the grocery store to pick up some milk, I am like the you know the the walking talking face of the business no matter where we go and and I feel that when we next roll out this phase of the business where we're going to be connecting um, the elderly with yeah, children again like and happiness delivered. just just people will think of happiness delivered and sprog and sprocket in that way that it's like pulling yeah. people together people, people, and community and and just bringing happiness into people's lives yeah i hope you know that that people think of us as as a company that that makes their city better by being a part of it and what challenges, I, I have every confidence that you will be there and that will be your brand association. Um, and again, to try and impossibly remove the, the COVID factor from our conversation, what challenges would you have in getting there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's hard at the moment to look past the whole the, the COVID situation at the moment, for sure, um, because we're definitely right now in a situation of, right, the College of London released uh, a report that they expect social distancing measures to last 12 to 18 months. And I don't know if we could, in fact, weather a storm that lasts 12 to 18 months. You know, that is a long time to, to not have an industry. <laughs> so other than, so let's, let's pretend that we don't, that we aren't dealing with COVID. If we could just rewind two weeks to, to our full calendar and to our, you know, our high hopes and everything else going forward. We're always a little bit scared to expand. You know, it, we, we know as, as it's, it's hard. We try and. I'm very, very hopeful. Yeah, I know you are. Because, go on. To get people, to bring people on board that, that put as much love into your business when it's not theirs um, is, is hard. And so trying to make that transition from, you know, me and Simon with the occasional casual help to actually having to, to facilitate that growth, having to bring on, you know, new staff and full-time staff is a, is a scary leap for us to take at such point that we need to take it. I think, I mean, other than that, like people, we really, people trust us already. Like all we have to do is keep doing what we're doing, you know, and, and allow the growth to happen because because our customers do love us and trust us. You know, we have developed a really solid fan base. So we're not having to really change anything there. We just have to keep doing more of the same and, and hoping that as we expand, we can really, we just always come back to, to those kind of core values of, you know, we want things clean and we want to be part of our community. And we, we just, we care about people. 
you know, and we hope that they care back about us. You know, you get out of the world what you put in, I think. And, and so I think that is just what we will continue doing. I'm sure it's strongly reciprocated. Simon, you had uh, some thoughts. You were wearing the Cheshire cat grin over there. <laughs> well, I mentioned the fact that we've, like, I, since, you know, taking our first booking, Calgary hasn't been exactly the hotbed of, um, you know, businesses. Hot, just, hotbed economy. Yeah, uh, yeah. The economy. <laughs> and, never... so, and it's so sprawling. One of our biggest challenges building our business in Calgary is being in enough places for in, in a weekend for us to make it work and trying to get from the far northwest down to the deep mm -hmm. southeast on a Saturday and doing the same again on a Sunday to fit in as many bookings as we need is super challenging. Is crazy the urban so take our business to Edmonton. Uh, to, I don't know. Is there urban sprawl on I don't know. Yeah. I Let's, can't let, imagine where, where, there's, where there's more population density, I think is what some is trying yeah. to get. Go into a city where you have more population density so you're not having to drive 75 kilometers between jobs. Because that is definitely, you know, the population density of Calgary is, is really, is really spread out. And then also the weather. The weather is a challenge because like eight months a year we're dealing with like snow. I remember our very first winter, we showed up to a job at a community center and our lock on our trailer had frozen shut. Like we could not get it open to save our lives. And we were panicking. Like the time's ticking down for us to their party to start. So finally I was like, I, I just kind of thought like there, we have nothing to lose. Like let's go get a kettle of hot water and see if we pour some boiling water over top of this thing. If it will, if it will work, like maybe, <laughs> don't know. Anyway, it did luckily. So we were able to get our trailer open, <laughs> but um, certainly sometimes the, the weather, Calgary weather also is interesting to deal with sometimes. Bringing play equipment inside someone's house when it's minus 25 outside, but plus... <laughs> 30 almost in their house doing that like 12 times <laughs> by the time you're done you don't know yeah what what we're freezing to death yeah yeah the there should be a book like there there's with pregnancy i can't remember the exact title of it but it goes something like what to expect when you're expecting or something yeah like, yeah, yeah 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 there needs to be one of those for entrepreneurs all these little things frozen locks and temperature changes and yeah tumbling <laughs> chairs going onto the your play surface I mean, it's um, funny. It's, it's, I think that's the one thing, though, that make, like that's, that draws us always back to entrepreneurship. Right? Because, like, there, I can't tell you how many times where sometimes I've sat back to Simon at the end of the day and been like, I'm just going to go back to corporate. Like, I'm going to go back, do my master's, and then we're going to get a company nine to five with benefits, and, you know. <laughs> but then we come back to the fact that, like, but that would be we wouldn't have the challenges like we're both natural we, we like the problem solving aspect of it we like those constant challenges we like the constant shifts and that's i think that's and all entrepreneurs are like that. i think all entrepreneurs have like this little bit of something where they like they what's like what's the trouble saying? you work, you work <laughs> you know? 80 hours a week to avoid working, working 30 40, yeah yeah to avoid else. working 30 hours a week for someone else that's right there's 100 percent that yeah, it's not it's not glamorous, but there's this little bit of like constantly being on your toes, constantly having to solve those problems that kind of keeps us coming back for more. Well, I and I can speak for Mark in saying how uplifted and encouraged and how lucky we felt getting to know you, being able to work with you. You're real, honest, good people with a good idea and uh, you know an honest solution to a common problem. So. You deserve all the success that is in front of you and that you have had, and really wishing you the best as uh, as you go through in your own way this this storm that everyone else is. Oh well, thank you. That's 
yeah, that's really, really kind. We've, we've felt so fortunate to meet you two. Um, you know, every, every interaction that we've had, we've, we've left it feeling just really, really thankful to, to have, have had the conversations we've had. It's, it's made an impact on us personally and, you know, and of course on our business, but, um, so we, we, we have a huge amount of respect for both of you and, and it really means a lot then when you, yeah. um, the, the words that you've just said. Yeah. Entering that competition is literally been a life changing experience because yeah, it has. Yeah. 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 Changed, changed the, the direction of our it's business. For sure one of the best things we, we did last year is, is we, we felt really, really lucky. That's a pretty powerful thing to say that, that it, it changed the direction. What, what sorts of things did, did we provide to you that, that wasn't clicking just on your own? Was it that you, you're so deep into the weeds running a business that you weren't able to see the picture? Or we articulate that a bit. We spread ourselves so, so thinly. We're literally wearing every single hat. Like That's the entrepreneurial life. But um, we haven't been able to physically delegate or hand over any of the responsibilities of business to anybody else. And so um, in our type of work, the marketing and getting you know that that side of things on, with a grip on it is you know it's just being low bit. consuming but also you know we don't create the space often enough to, to actually sit down and have discussions around around our business and i think you gave us a the space to have kind of that initial conversation but then the tools to go home and actually develop all those conversations amongst us you know that that little bit of guidance and, and a map just facilitated conversations that we'd probably gone you know eight nine ten maybe even 12 months with without having because um once the booking started to get to pick up we just got so absorbed in the day-to-day -day operations that that you forget that you actually need to not be in it but you know be be overlooking it as well you know and and strategizing for for its growth you know but it's very easy to get sucked up in that in that very very time consuming day-to-day -day. pick up drop off set up clean manage you know mm -hmm. yeah i've been able to always have a lens to make filter decisions through this this will pass and you will <laughs> be, you will be standing at the end and i really look forward to another chance to talk to you guys one-on-one -on -one, face to face yeah yeah, yeah that's purpose. right It'll be nice. It'll be nice to meet face to face again. Yeah, sure. we've got hugs coming your way, David. <laughs> Same. Simon and Maria Nash, founders of Sprocket Sprocket, a mobile kids' play solution for parents looking for creative play ways of celebrating birthday parties or simply keeping kids active. Needless to say, they, like so many businesses, have been deeply impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. So we look forward to catching up again with them when this crisis clears. In the meantime, stay healthy, stay distant. And thanks for making us part of your background noise. It means a lot.